When I was 23 years old, all anybody wanted to ask me was, what do you do for a living? And what was my response? My response was, I do awesome. I'm Steve Armato, and I started this podcast to interview awesome people who build awesome lives. So now, let's do awesome. Welcome back to another episode of Doing Awesome. Today, I have with me a longtime friend who actually was somebody that we started our businesses around the same time. We always have been talking. We'd always been working together. And we played, it goes way back. We played high school football together. We always stayed in touch. But we both went the entrepreneurship route and we both kind of grew together. We became people that could bounce ideas off each other. We became people that could work together. We became people that could refer business to each other. And in this episode, he's going to tell you his story of how far back it goes that he got involved with what his business is now and his kind of come to realization moment, the epiphany that he had while sitting in Jamaica with his now wife on how he started MicroSky Managed Services. So stay tuned for this episode with Dom Martell. Dominic Martell, my good friend, welcome to Doing Awesome. Thanks for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. It's been a long time in the making here. Definitely been a long time in the making here. Now, um, before we begin the, you know, the 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 fun stuff, let's get into the the life stuff. New dad, how how is dadding going? Dude, dadding is unbelievable. I had a baby girl May thirty first, and that has just like changed everything for the better. I feel like I have such a fire under my butt now, like just like approaching the day to day, knowing that I have this little angel staring at me every morning. So. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's what's changed for you in terms of um like how you manage your time now with the with the with the baby? So right after we had Lucia, I read this book called The uh, Five AM Club. And I was like, I have to dial in my mornings better because now I have a child that's gonna keep me up all night. I got to be up early to feed her, get her going, make sure she's good, and then approach my day. So I read the book, and basically every day now I get up at 4.30, locked and loaded, have my coffee, read a little bit, try to just get my brain going, and then I kind of just wait for the baby to wake up. She'll wake up like 5 a.m., 5.15, take care of her, spend about an hour with her, feeding her, changing her, playing with her for a little bit, and then I put her back down. We got this little thing called the Docatot, which is the greatest invention ever. I'll go into that later. <laughs> you just throw the baby in this little like pillow thing and they just like go out like a light. So I throw her in that and then I'm off to the gym. I do my gym routine, usually like an hour, hour and a half. And then I get back to my desk, you know, come home, shower, get to my desk and start the day. And luckily, I'm fortunate enough to work from home and be mobile with my company, MicroSky. So it's it's a blessing every day to have that routine. That's that's phenomenal. And talk to me about MicroSky. We know each other a long time here. Yeah. So we, we go way back. We go back to high school before all of it. We're the OGs over here. But talk to yeah. me about MicroSky. How did uh, how did it get started? What what was your thought process here? So MicroSky was a long journey that MicroSky started in 2015. But just back it up a little bit. Like I'm a 1990 baby. So I'm 33. You're a year older than me, I believe. Correct. And, uh, you know, 
being born 1990, that was the start of like the computer age, bro. Like 1993, the internet dropped, like, and my mom, fortunately enough, worked from home in 1993 for the court system. So she had a computer like back in 93 in the house. And like, as soon as I like became three years old, like I'm on that thing every day, like learning how to use it and just became absolutely like in love and obsessed with computers, like young. So I knew like really early, like what I wanted to do. And that's kind of a blessing, a curse, because then I just became obsessed with it. Like that was my whole life. So fast forward, I go to St. Charles as a kid, grammar school, kindergarten classroom has a Windows 95 computer, obsessed with it. Then they get a computer lab in like 97, 98, the Windows 98 came out. And now I'm like seven, eight years old, like taking apart computers, rebuilding them, like programming them and just like obsessed with like learning about them. And then 1998, boom, like Google comes out. And that was like it. The fact that you can go on the internet and learn about like anything that you want to learn about was like fascinating. And being a kid with like ADD and just like concentration issues, like I only wanted to learn like what I liked. So being able to be on the internet, learn exactly what you want to learn every single day from like eight years old through, you know, grammar school to high school and college it just became this computer obsession and i started like fixing computers at like 10 12 years old on my bike like family like professionally like charging people for it hey 20 bucks i'll speed up your computer i'll make it like new like i'll make sure you don't have any viruses and this is hustling like early 2000s like hustling hustling at a young age and like i just love computers and i was like i'm good at this i i know it and like every family has these like these things are everywhere they're growing People are on them all day long, AOL, Instant Messenger, the like, you know, the early 2000s and just became obsessed. So then fast forward, we go to high school together. We play football and I was still a geek and a jock. It was a very weird combination. And then I go to college to play football at Pace and I realized that football is not what I want to do anymore. And I joined their IT department there at Pace University as like an 18 year old kid, like knowing all this stuff on computers, but I wanted to do it professionally. And I went to the IT department and said, Hey, like, I love computers. I quit football. I need something to keep me busy. Like, can you hire me? And this lady, Peggy hired me. I started like at 18 working for pace, fixing all the faculty, the administration, the student computers, and just learning them inside and out. And then due to family struggles and financial issues, I had to leave college because just, you know, we couldn't afford it could pay at the time it was like 60k a year and it was like how can we do this we, we yeah i have to make a move so i wound up transferring to local college and kind of just started fixing computers on my own like my own little computer repair business and then one day i got a call from a girl that i worked with at pace and she worked for sloan kettering cancer hospital and she was like listen there's a position open. I think you'd be a great fit. I think you should come interview. And I was like, oh, I'm sitting around in Staten Island, like fixing computers. Like, I want to do this professionally still. Like, let me try this. Long story short, I go to Sloan. I do a six-hour interview. Six different people interview me. And it was for a help desk position at the time. And they say to me, you're overqualified for this position. I'm like, I'm 20 years old. This is an entry-level help desk position. How am I overqualified? They're like, you're a technician. Like, you know, computers inside and out. If you're on the phones doing like tech support calls. Like we know you're going to get bored in like three days and want to be like a field service tech. And we just don't have any, uh, you know, spots right now in that. So we'll call you back. Like, good luck. It's like, all right, whatever. 
like six months go by and I get a call from them that it's a field service position open. And then I, I wound up working at Sloan Kettering for six years as an IT engineer, worked my way up the ranks there in the field service department. Then I transferred over to the server department there and learned how the servers and everything in the hospital run. And while I was there doing my professional IT career, in the back of my head, that entrepreneurial bug was always there. Like I, I was like planning my escape route, so to speak, right, the whole right. time from the beginning. I was like, I want to do this on my own, but I have to learn it really, really well, know it inside and out before I have the skills to do it on my own because like at the end of the day, it's a big leap. So my whole career at Sloan Kettering, I kept building this IT business, which was originally Martell Computer Systems. Then it became MicroSky when I rebranded it as a managed services provider. And when MicroSky started building up and I had this whole clientele of a few hundred clients that were calling me nonstop and I'm working 80 hours a week at the hospital, I had to make like a decision. I was like, what am I going to do? So I said, if I'm making the scene that I'm making at the hospital on the side, that would be the indicator that I should probably jump the hospital ship and go on my own full time. Because at that point, it's like, I'm, I'm just going to have to replace the hospital salary. That's all I, right. I kept thinking about in my head. So I, 2015-ish, my wife and I are dating at the time, and um, we're sitting on a float in Jamaica. We're on vacation together. We're like dating for the first two years. And I turned to her and I'm like, I'm thinking about quitting the hospital and just going full-time with Microsoft. And it was like right after I read that Tim Ferriss book, The 4-Hour Workweek, I yep. was just like, like, I have this digital business. I have this skill set. Like there's nothing holding me back besides myself. And I don't want to answer to anybody. I never liked answering to anybody. Like it's time for me to just make the leap of faith. I'm not married yet. I don't have kids yet. Like I, I have to do this now. I'm just going to like regret it the rest of my life. So I made that jump. I turned to her and I was like, listen, I want to quit. When I go back. I'm going to put my two weeks notice in and I'm going to do this. And I was like, listen, wherever that road takes us, I can always get another job. Like, right. So yep. we, we jumped in, my wife and I, like freshly dating for a year or two. And we were just like, let's do this. And I went full time with MicroSky. And that was like the greatest decision I ever made. Now, you know, fast forward, we're in 2023. We have thousands of customers in the tri state. I have a team of like 15 people that regularly are working for me. And I've built this IT company that I'm so proud of because every day I get to solve these high level problems for businesses. And I do it with a great team, with clients that I want to work with, not people that I can't stand and like a boss that's breathing down my neck and like screaming at me because I'm on the internet. And like every day I have a certain set of tasks that I need to do as the business owner. And that could be sales related. It could be operations related, but I've set up systems that every day I can look at from my finances of the business to how I run the business from my sales process. So nothing can fall through the cracks and I can continue scaling MicroSky. And luckily we've been able to do that. You know, the past five years, we've basically grown 30% year over year, year over year. And now I'm hitting a point where I know that the bottleneck is me as the business owner. And I know that I need to start hiring some really good people. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, my newest hire I'm trying to find is a project manager. There's some new, bigger contracts we're taking on. And really just looking for people that are entrepreneurial and in spirit that can be part of my sales team, you know, growing my sales team that I've built in this referral network of people 
that constantly refer leads to us. And talk about talk about that actually. Talk about the how you do that with referrals because you, you and me have talked about that uh, a lot yeah. actually. So how do you yeah. how do you do that? And what what was the real thought process behind that? So in the IT world, trust is like the biggest thing. Like a company trusting their IT guy or their IT provider to run the day-to-day operations and secure their data and deal with all of their sensitive information and basically keep the lifeblood of their business, the tech side of running it, is a huge responsibility. So I take it really serious. And the companies that I work with, I build that personal relationship with them and then they eventually referred me to other people that are in need of my services. So it started with customers referring me. And then it kind of evolved into other people in the IT world that do other things. So, for instance, a guy that does security cameras, he doesn't do IT, doesn't do you know cybersecurity, doesn't do backup systems, all that stuff. So he would refer me a client and say, hey, I just did a camera job for this customer, but they need this, this and this. And then I said, that's it right there. Like people in the business that don't do what I do, that are in the field, that can refer me clients that need me, and then I can compensate them on a commissions basis. Right. So I came up with this like referral channel network of like people that I've worked with in the industry, people I've crossed paths with, even like IT competitors, like people that were my competition that we met somewhere and it's like, hey, you do this, but I don't do this. Like maybe we can collaborate. And I can refer you work. And it just kind of morphed into like a solid network of really trusted people that bring me clients. And then I meet with that client with the referrer and say, hey, like, my name is Dominic. I'm from Microsoft. I need to help you with all this tech, I, you know, IT stuff that you may need. And so-and-so said you need this. And, um, you know, how can I help you? And it's just morphed. So now I'm looking to actually expand that more in a way where we're doing credit card processing now. We're doing website design. We've branched out into other fields in tech besides IT services. So it's morphing into like, oh, hi, we need a website, but we also need our computers fixed. And we also need a network at this office and we need to put cameras here. And it just turned into like this whole umbrella of IT services that we can provide them now. And I like to kind of compare it to like a general contractor in the construction business where a GC is going to build a skyscraper, but they have the plumbers, the carpenters, the electricians, the cement guys, all these different trades and subcontractors that are involved in building that skyscraper. So I use that same analogy with customers where I'm the general contractor on the IT side and I am well versed in everything technology and IT. And I have that subcontractor network and that personal team and employee network to deliver on this skyscraper, whatever it may be. It could be a website. It could be an IT setup. It could be an app development. We've really kind of expanded our offerings in a way where we want to be that one-stop shop for the business. We don't want to see them go to another company that can do the same thing that we can do. And probably not at the same level that we can do it. So um, just kind of building that customer base and that personal relationship was really key with that so you know you talk you a couple times you mentioned relationships there right so how important are relationships that you've built through the years and what are some things that you do or do you have any advice on like how to kind of how you nurture those and like keep those relationships going i've always 
kind of taken the whole idea when it comes to meeting people is always treat people how you want to be treated and always do the right thing by people, no matter what it is. Because you never know down the line when somebody may need your help or you may need their help or, you know, they may have been going through a tough time at that time and, and it skewed their way of looking at something. There's just like, I always try to take the credence of is treat everybody else like you want to be treated and always deliver on the promises that you make. Like every time I meet with a customer, I will never tell them something that I can't deliver. on. And I'm always upfront and honest and transparent when I speak with them because that's where this whole relationship is. That's what it's built on. You know, I'm working with you day to day, hand in hand for the foreseeable future on your business. And we need to be upfront and honest with each other. And if I see a problem, I'm going to say there's a problem and not like wait for the right time. Or, you know, I'm, I'm very upfront and honest when it comes to the business relationships and not burning bridges. You know, the example of the girl that called me about the hospital job, the reason why she called me is because she was the girl that used to deliver, uh, assign me my work at Pace University. And I always used to be nice to her. Like everybody else would give her shit every day. Oh, you gave me this work order, this. I would get her coffee and be like, oh, thanks for the good tickets today, Jenny. Like, and just try to be nice to her. And that wound up paying off four or five years later when there was a position at the hospital and she thought of me. So it's just always be nice, bro. Just be nice. And if people aren't nice to you, then sometimes you have to kind of respond in a certain way. But always start being nice and then go from there, you know? Right. Really and I, right. And a lot of, a lot of people... I feel like now it's gotten it's got it's gotten better where people start off being nice. I feel like when yeah. first when I first started, I felt like a lot of people would try to they knew you were new in business and they kind of try to muscle you or or bully mm -hmm. you. But to me, that's not a sustainable thing. I don't think in the long run that's something that that works. Maybe it did work in the seventies, eighties, but you can't just bulldoze people. You gotta like especially. I like to connect with people like you or people that are my age in business that are trying to do the mm -hmm. same thing that I'm trying to do because everybody, everybody's got a goal, right? Everybody's got the same similar goals for their business. So I think what, what you said is great and it's great for people to hear, like, just be nice to people, be, treat people the way that, that you want to be treated, which I know is tough from where we come from and where we grew up. But yeah. let's let's yeah. talk. Let's <laughs> talk. A, let's talk a little bit about that, right? Like, where, uh, tell everybody where you grew up and how did that shape you as you as you went through life. So, we both grew up in a very unique place, Staten Island, New York. It's got, you know, a bad name as of recently, but for the most part, people here are pretty good people. But, you know, it's a weird place because it's like a bubble, and it's just like a melting pot of like Italians, Irish, Spanish. Um, African-American. I mean, there's every like melting pot of nationality here. And in our neck of town where we grew up, we both went to a high school and played football. And I always say like my, one of my biggest influences was by the man, a name by the man of Greg Manos, a man by the name of Greg Manos. And he was like, just a, like an enigma, like the guy's personality basically shaped my entire mindset so like back then going into football with that guy like i was a skinny like 125 pound like twig and wound up coming out four years later like 205 pounds benching crazy like numbers squatting cleaning and just like transforming my body and he also like transformed our mind in a way because 
he kind of showed us that no matter what happens, as long as you work hard, like you will get results. Like the fact that we were lifting like seven days a week was not healthy back in 2008. Like we did that every single day. <laughs> like we were eating like 6,000 calories a day. He was brainwashing me into eating like potatoes. Like I mean, he told, he, told like you, he, he told you to put them in your pocket I, and, eat, and eat it like an <laughs> apple. Yeah. I was eating like six protein shakes a day. So like being going through like that football mindset and lifestyle as from that 13 to uh, or 14 to 18 time frame was something that was just like, if I didn't have that, I always say, where the hell would I be today? Would I have the discipline? Would I have the work ethic? Would I have like the, like that fire in the belly? I don't know if I would. I don't well, know if I would have it without football. Well, also because him and a lot of a lot of the coaches there they didn't they didn't kiss your ass right no like we had like when when i was i think when i was a sophomore you were a freshman and uh we had ollie ollie was recruited by every school in the country and nobody was harder on him than manos like harder on him and and ollie was the sweetest kid i remember they got mad they got we were we were scrimmaging the varsity and they got pissed at him because he filled the hole. He was playing fullback, and he came through the hole. And I was playing linebacker. And when I was a sophomore, I was like, I was like one seventy. I was like one seventy. He's like three hundred pounds, and he runs like a four. And he runs like a four eight forty at three hundred pounds. And he comes through the hole, and he like kind of just pushes me out of the way instead of hitting me. And he got they laid into him. They were like, "What are you?" They were like, "What are you doing?" And he's and he's like looking at me. He's like, "I'm sorry." This and they like, yeah. run. And they were just like run it again. And he just lays me out and he like picks me. He's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, and I look at the coach. They he's like, oh. yeah, he's like, they made me do it. I'm so sorry. But like, they didn't kiss anybody's ass there. And, you know, I was telling this story yesterday to somebody, uh, my senior year when we played Farrell and I ran the fumble oh, back, yeah. to, I ran the fumble back to the two and in the weight room on Monday in front of the whole program, he said, if I wasn't playing baseball, I would have scored and we don't pick <laughs> up, fum we don't pick up fumbles to get caught at the two. We pick them up to score. Like it was just like th sick. We just beat Farrell for the first time in school history, yeah. and that's what that's yeah. what we like changed the game. That's what we're laying the hat on. That's what we're hanging the hat on here. I was like, damn man. But you know that that was the thing. I think it always was like it always did that. That always taught everybody there. You just you have to work harder. Everything you yeah. do, you have to work harder because go balls to the wall. Especially us because we weren't. You know, we were the my entire time there. We were underdogs basically. No, but yeah. like every we were on the yeah. dogs. We ran. We never threw the football. We just we just hit you in the mouth. But we bred athletes there. We like we bred football players because we came in as unathletic twigs and left with like squatters' asses and like thousand club weight, like you know, hand clean bench squat over a thousand pounds. Like it I was mean, a weird. It was weird, setup. but I but it also was. I always felt like like our like my year, your year. Like we all, I felt like we set the foundation for when like my cousin Andrew and mm -hmm. Lyle were were seniors and on the varsity. They, they dominate. They by the time we were out of there and they were in, they were dominating teams. Dominating. You know, like and we said, I always felt like we set that stage. And I'm not, I'm not. Listen, McGowan. Hundred percent. McGowan, if you're listening to this, you were part of that too. I know you. I didn't mention your year, but I. But it just it grew like that, you know. And it was always a working harder type of thing which kind of set everybody up i feel like most people that we played with are successful at something i i always say that like if you look at the st joseph by the sea football class at that time frame most of them became professionals like people like up 
standing people in society, which is something that you can hang your hat on. Because you look at some football teams, who's a criminal, who's who's this, who committed these crimes, like who's mixed up right. in some bad stuff, you know? So like for the most part, they bred great people there. And that was a huge, huge like stepping stone for us. Like, absolutely. I always think of that. That's hard to do because we had a lot of people that came through there and that's that's a hard thing to do. So let's let's keep going here. What what are you know, you know, you've built you've built a you've been in business like seven, eight years now. You said you started in 2015. So you've been in business eight years. What are some what were some of the toughest things that you had to go through to build this thing to where it is now? You know, the biggest mistakes I made in business were early. Thank God. Like years one to three were a complete disaster like cash flow problems customers not paying you like betting betting the wrong horse uh in advertising you know just like making a lot of mistakes early was a blessing because i had to react quickly and find solutions or i was going to be out of business and the whole risk of me leaving the hospital would be like all for nothing so i went Full time, really, like 2016 on my own. It was like May or June of 2016 where I walked out the hospital door. And the biggest problem when I walked out was now I just gained back all of that time in my schedule. So I just got back 40 hours a week plus the commute. So really make it like 60 hours a week. Right. So now I just got back all of this time. And now I have to figure out what I need to do with the time and how I'm going to fill my day and get more customers and grow the business and not be in this like reactive phase that I was always in. I had to go from being reactive to like being like planning focused and like strategy going forward, making a schedule, figuring out what I had to do. So the first two years were rough. Couldn't figure out what to do with my time, made a lot of financially wrong decisions. Money would come in the business, money would go out and have nothing left over. And it was just like, I can't live like this. So one day my little sister, Jenna, she's um, seven years younger than me. She comes to me and she's like, hey, you know, I just read this book and I've been using this app and I know you're like into finances and money. Like, you got to try this. So I'm like, all right. And it was called YNAB, you need a budget.com. And it basically says you need a budget for your personal life. And you also need a budget for your business life. And I had neither. Like, I just had like QuickBooks or like Quicken. It would just tell me like where all my money went at the end of the month. But like, it was too late. The money was gone. Like, I'm seeing the results after the fact and it's like you can't go back in time how can i fix this like going forward so getting this budgeting software allowed me to like budget and plan everything in my business life and personal life and immediately i kind of started digging myself out of the hole like instead of digging the hole deeper i was starting to like gain a little steam like all right pay this credit card off like pay this loan off pay this back bill that i haven't paid and like slowly but surely climb out of that financial hole that I kind of built the first three years in business. And then I was able to like get engaged, get married, like have a kid. And and once, you know, you get in the swing of things and every morning you look at your numbers and you say, okay, here's what came in. Here's what's going out. Here's how much money I have to make this month to make my monthly nut. Here's what I need to make to have extra left over. And Long story short, I, in the process, read like over a hundred business books and finance books to try to figure out how to fix my problem. <clears throat> and what I came up with was basically the best book was called The Profit First Method by Mike Michalowicz. And that was a percentage system for your business. So like money comes into the business and now I percentage it out. 
and it goes to where it has to go taxes profits my vault operating expenses my salary all the different things licensing i have everything percentaged out now so as money flows in and out of the business it just gets funneled to where it needs to go and all i focus on now is getting more business and growing the income funnel and just allow the system to just do its thing because every dollar is accounted for by the percentages. So now when I get paid, I percentage everything out, whether it's $5 or $5,000 that gets percentaged out to all its categories. And I'm able to take a salary from my company. I'm able to take owner's compensation. I'm able to pay my tax bills on time every year. I'm able to put aside profits. I'm able to grow the business through marketing and all kinds of different efforts to get more customers. Thankfully, because my sister said to me like, hey, you should try this. So I think education was a huge part of it and reading and, and understanding that somebody else has had this problem before you and it's probably doc documented somewhere how to fix it. So I wasn't really a big reader up until like a few years ago. Probably around 2015 is when I really started reading books. And then it came to like 20 books the first year. And then it just kept like snowballing. And now I probably can read three to four books a month. And this wow. is just like I at night, like I just sit in my bed at night and just read before I go to bed. And I just read 80 pages. I'm reading this new one here I have open. It's actually a good one. It's called $100 Million Leads from Alex uh, Hormozzi. That's I have that too. I'm on. I'm reading that right now too. Awesome. I just started it. I'm only like. 50 pages in but you, it's like a can't... kids coloring book yeah <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing it's it's amazing it is it's so it's so simple to follow the pages are so big they are and there's no words on them it's all pictures i'm like yeah oh, shit. i just like breeze through this but yeah, yeah. it's um it's unbelievable and you get like so free reading's stuff. huge bro it reading is. is so huge you're a big it, reader i know you've been reading a lot too yeah i have i have i i try and so i tried something new this year where i'm you know i picked like one or two books instead of reading a bunch of books, I wanted to get really good. I wanted to re one, get like, really good at one thing, right? So I yeah. read I read Never Split the Difference. I read it fully once, and then I listened to the audio book four times. And I'm still not- I've heard of that book, but I've never read it. I'm going to write it down. Never Split a, the Difference. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. The guy was a FBI hostage negotiator. And it's all about, nice. negoti it's all about negotiation. And the, some of the tactics from that book have paid immediate- immediate dividends so i can't mm -hmm. recommend it uh, enough on that aspect of it and you know that and 100 million dollar uh leads is another one that i'm that i i just picked it that up that one that's, that's is eye-opening because he's showing you like how he did it. Like, yeah this is the funnels this is how you can advertise and market your business and generate leads and thankfully my lead funnel has been pretty consistent but i want to scale like my goal is to scale I want this company to grow as big as I possibly can make it. And right now the limitation is me. Like I know I'm the limitation and the bottleneck and now I have to scale. So, so how are you using gonna get, his tactics and whatever. How are you going to get you out of the way? Not being a control freak because a lot of times in this, in the IT world, being a control freak is like your main job. You're trying to secure systems, make sure there's no breaches, make sure only people have certain access to certain things. And for me, like that systematic approach is I've been using these systems, but now it's like, how can I make it that like, if I didn't want to get out of bed for like three days straight, could Microsky continue to bring in new business 
and continue the cogs of business turning if I am not around. And I'm not there yet. I know I'm not there yet. Even when I take a vacation, I'm answering emails, I'm answering calls, I'm delegating tasks. I'm, that is a bottleneck in myself. So I think logically a new project manager to take on a lot of the project management work I'm doing is the first step. And I have a candidate in mind. I'm interviewing uh, next week that I'm excited about. Um, basically a guy that has the skill sets I'm looking for that somebody I've known for a while. And if we can make it work, it could be a great addition to the team. I think that's the first step. If I can delegate out my project management work to somebody else that knows what they're doing and I can work with them, that'll allow me to continue focus on growth and on the sales channels and growing the, you know, the sales funnel and the leads funnel. Absolutely. But I'm afraid that, you know, as I, if I took on, let's just say a hundred customers tomorrow, would I be able to deliver the way I'm delivering on my customers today? And I don't think I'm there yet. And that's why I need to get these pieces in place. Absolutely. That's important. But once you, the good thing is you're aware of where you are and what's needed. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of do stuff like that a little bit too soon. So now like, you know where you are, you know what you need. And like, you could get, you could just get the ball rolling on that, which is great. And then, you know, let's move on to this. All right. So you're huge on tech, big computer guy. I mean, obviously that's big computer guy talked about it. You run a business based on it. Um, but now you have, you know, you're married, you have a little girl. What do you do? How do you disconnect from everything when you're not working? Spending time with my wife and my daughter is on the top of the priority list because sometimes like all I want to do is just be locked in and focused on things. And before you know it, like four hours go by, like I was supposed to be like outside doing a, a daytime walk and I just completely missed it because I was locked in on like a phone call or some type of task I was doing. I, I get super hyper-focused. So I want to be less hyper-focused on things and try to shift more focus towards spending time with my daughter because literally you blink your eyes and like they just grow so fast. And like I blinked my eyes and like five months went by and I've spent a lot of time. We, you know, I work from home. I see her all day. But seeing your daughter in passing is different than spending like quality 100% directed time and, and so that's priority one really and then I also really enjoy golf that's like one of my biggest things ever and I'm, I'm I happen to be okay at it I've been playing with my since I'm like three years old um, my grandfather taught me and that has been a really valuable tool that kind of really kind of was like a it paid off later in life so my grandfather taught me how to play golf from like the time I was three all the way up until he passed away last year. Like he was just the golf God. Like the guy was unbelievable. I couldn't beat him still until he was like in his eighties. He was just a phenom and he taught me how to play. And I also learned a lot of business stuff from him because he was in business too. So like being on a golf course, you come to find out that a lot, a lot of business people play golf and you make a lot of friends and a lot of relationships through golf that can help you in business and your personal life. And it's a camaraderie thing. Like I can play around the golf with somebody and in four hours, I can really know a lot about them that I wouldn't know about them if I didn't play with them. Right. And whether it's a friend or a prospective client, it's just that personal relationship, like personal aspect of it that, you know, especially if you play well and they're playing well and like you guys like having like a ridiculous day on the course, that's just like amazing. 
So I try to get out as much as I can, like one to two days a week if I can. And usually it's one of them is a pleasure round. And then one, I say one of them is a business round. So I try to like squeeze that in if I can, if the weather permits. Absolutely. Now it's getting tough now, though. We're getting cold. Yeah. It's getting cold up here. There's nothing like playing golf in the cold. It's not quite like baseball, <laughs> but it's not fun. It's 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 tough. It's tough. But well, I have now, a solution. For that. You, you have a solution. You have a solution for that, do you? I do. You do. What's I do. That? What is that? Buy a house in Florida? Something uh, not as good as that. <laughs> but but a good friend of mine, AJ, he came to me. He's actually my neighbor. I grew up. He grew up my brother, and he went to see. He was a few years younger, and I've known him for years. And he came to me about six months ago with an idea on a new business. So I said, okay, what is it? And I get these new idea, like phone calls and like, I think literally I've, every other day. I think I've sent you like two of them in the last like, yeah, year. Like, it's just, yeah. And it's just people like, oh, I got a website idea, I have a business idea. Like, what do you think? So he sends an idea that struck a chord with me and it was this. He was like, you know the way there's those brick and mortar golf simulator places, like the one that you were trying to open, Dom, a few years ago? And I was like, yeah, I know that. I've been to them. I enjoy them. They're fun. They're great in the winter. He's like, what if we brought the simulator to you? So like you, you're at your house, you have 10 foot ceilings or you have a big backyard and you want a simulator delivered to your house, set up for a party, a barbecue, an event or whatever you're trying to do. And like, I was like, holy shit. I was like, that could work. So then all of a sudden we just went into this whole like, all right, let's business plan this thing. Let's think about what type of simulators we're going to get. Who would our clients be? Blah, blah, blah. And we basically came up with Party Golf, P-A-R-T-E-E, Golf. Party, baby. Party with us. And we launched our website uh, about two months ago. It's on uh, partygolfsim.com. And what we're doing there is golf simulator rentals. So if you wanted a golf simulator delivered to your house in New York and New Jersey, you can reserve it from our website. You pick the day. You pick how long you want it from one to as many days as you want. You can have it for a month. You can have it for a week. You can have it for two days and we will deliver it, set it up, test it, get you going. And then if it's a party, we can man the party for you. Or if it's simply just like, I want to rent it at my house and I want to practice myself or drop it, you could use it. And then we can remotely manage it for you. We can connect to it and set up the ground for you. We can troubleshoot it. We can do all that stuff remotely. So it's a cool concept. Um, it's just starting to pick up some steam. And um, we do have a pop-up event that we're going to be doing in the next month or so. We're shooting for December 2nd. I'm finalizing all the details. So take a look at our website in the next couple of days to um, see that event posted. And we're trying to start some pop-up events and get some like tournament golf going where people can come and compete, hang out, have a few beers, and play some golf now that the weather's you know not as good as <laughs> during the golf season, you know? New York's tough with the with the rain and everything. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it looks fantastic. I've seen you know seen it online. We've talked about it. You know, I might be an affiliate. I'm just saying. Just, <laughs> you may or may not. You know, you might catch a link. You might catch a link in the description <laughs> of this podcast to get your party golf simulator. Doesn't matter. Go for it. <laughs> go go for it. Go for it. But um, you know, I think that that is a great idea, especially you think about it, right? Like people have. People have parties all the time, and yeah. maybe maybe that's that's a thing where people are like, or bachelor parties even like that. I feel like that's mm -hmm. a big thing. Have it delivered to 
to like an Airbnb or their house, whatever it is. But I feel like it's good, especially up here. Up here, it's it's a big deal. Golf people get sad when no, it's like depressing. I told my wife the other day. I said as soon as the clocks go back and the days get like darker earlier, like that seasonal depression kicks in, man. And like nothing like getting a few golf swings in to get that juices flowing. Exactly, exactly, man. So now let's let's go here because this is the reason for this show, this podcast. So you're somebody that I find that lives an awesome life, but what does living an awesome life look like to you? An awesome life to me is waking up every day and doing what you truly want to do. Like something that like that burning inside you of something that you've always wanted to do, always accomplish. Like you only get like one shot at this thing. Like, And the, the last thing I wanted was like to look back at 80 years old, like, and have any regrets that I didn't do something that I wanted to do. And I truly feel like I became the person like that I wanted to be when I was going to grow up. And now it's just like, how can I just get better? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better business owner? How can I be a better teammate? Just how can I just get better every day? And I think that's really it. If you try to just pursue something with everything you got, like it's a rewarding experience it just takes a while like to get the results that's the thing man a lot of people don't don't understand a while. you take it takes a, a long this this business thing takes a long time and i think gary v said it he was like it's like eating glass every single day and eventually you shit out a diamond but you have no idea when that diamond's gonna get shit out it could be a year. It could be 10 years. It could be five years. It could be three months. Like it could be tomorrow. As long as you just keep grinding, just nonstop and doing what you want to do and genuinely with your product or service help people, it'll happen. Like eventually it will happen. It's just like, I think uh, the other one, the other analogy is like hitting the pinata, right? You just keep hitting that pinata and eventually the candy comes out. So Absolutely. And before before we get out of here, my man, What's your go-to karaoke song? I think it would be Maria Maria from Carlos Santana, right? Ooh. But I would do Lucia Lucia for my baby. There you go. All right. See, I like that answer. This is this is great, man. This is this that is a very I sing that to her like every morning. Lucia, Lucia. <laughs> you remind me of a West Side story. She loves it though. Loves it's, it. That's that's amazing. Every time I call you, you're so calm now. I feel like before <laughs> I feel like before I feel like before you had the baby, I'd call you and you so were like right. you were like amped like every time yeah, you were like yeah. a mile a minute. And every time I've called you since you had the baby, you're very calm. You're very My wife said to me the other day, she said, I've never seen you so calm with her and you never get frustrated and you never raise your voice. She goes, Just keep that energy going at all times and just think you're you're in front of the baby every single time. I was like, Yeah, oh, that, that's a good analogy. But yeah. she made me soft. Well, I'm officially a big softie. I say it's, it every day. That's that's fine because you're running a successful company, <laughs> successful right. business. Now, bef- before we leave, this is your moment, baby. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, my name is Dominic Martel, CEO, owner of MicroSky Managed Services. You can find us at microskyms.com or you can give us a call at 718-672-2177. 24-7, us a call. We're here to help you. Boom. 24-7 service is the real deal. You go, call, we answer, baby. 
Dude, you're like a hot bagel place at 3 a.m. You go in there and get a hot bagel. It's like it's we're great. gonna be a, we're gonna bacon and cream cheese on a toasted sesame. 3 a.m. That's it. Still steaming hot. It's perfect. It's perfect. But Dom, thank you for joining the show, dude. I really appreciate you uh, coming on here, giving your story, talking about life, and just you know shooting the shit back and forth with me. Thank you, man. I had fun. Really appreciate it. Awesome, everybody. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, leave us a review, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. I'm going to have, I'll have show notes and I'll have uh, links to find Dom in the description. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Doing Awesome.